0: The number one financial destination: YahooFinance.com.
1: Ah, what is it I miss you.
2: What's good, Internet? It is June 2nd, 2017, and you are listening it's to Winpoint Radio. Austin, 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 live. Austin,
3: Austin. But that's uh, Patrick
2: he's Klepek. He's that's coming. He's not <laughs> live from, from
4: lobby one. <laughs> he's somewhere.
2: Patrick, what's up? Where are you? What's... Patrick. Oh, Patrick, Patrick. Patrick put on a oh, cowboy hat. Oh, breaking news breaking
4: with a hat. Breaking news with cowboy the hat.
3: Breaking news from Reddit user Devil Dog Official in the PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds subreddit. Oh, the
2: official DevilDog? Just confirm for me. This is the official DevilDog. The
3: official De- DevilDog. Dog. Okay. He- Discussion topic, why we need bicycles, the argument for stealth transportation, and player on those battlegrounds.
2: <laughs> That's a good idea. Uh, it's also
3: terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it
2: was so good. If you could shoot it in what the head, head, head while he's, okay. he's trucking along on what a if, bicycle. What I if you hit a bell? Make? With a little bell. A little bell. And you go, ding, ding. And you're <laughs> like hiding in a house. And then you're like, oh, we're, we got shotguns. <laughs> we're looking at the door. And then you hear, ding, 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 ding. And he's, like, taunting you. And then a taunting grenade comes
4: through the in. window. Ding, ding.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, oh, my God.
1: You guys say this, but here's, here's what I see. I see session after session. <laughs> okay, where here we you go. Come to, you come <laughs> to a clearing uh-huh. with a bicycle tied up under a tree. Everybody's- like a goat. Oh. Like a sacrificial goat. <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, this is too good to be true and then you'll be like but there's this bicycle and nobody will think hey isn't that guy like ride on a bicycle and fuck us up like 10 minutes ago and you'll be like no th- I think this is good this is meant to be it's a two seater there's two of
2: us <laughs>
1: yeah it's like bicycles will become your new tombstones like, e- like every session list. it'll just be like your corpse face down next to a bicycle to like mark <laughs> your passing
2: wow oh, you're probably right but I still want bicycles in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Doug,
3: yeah, yeah. Oh, give me the bikes. I, um, especially like, what if you have to like kind of you have to tap a button to like pedal? like to,
1: to pedal? pedal. <laughs> it's
2: it's not oh, man, it's a, not new, an
1: a new keyboard command that Patrick can whiff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look at uh, everybody's... Like, this week. Jesus Christ! Rob Zachney, also calling in from Los Angeles, uh, and our very own Danielle Riendo, joining me here in Lobby One. How's everybody doing, besides making fun of my my good, good son, Patrick Klepix, and my performance? I
3: remapped it. Austin's the one that can't remember what happened a couple goddamn weeks ago when I put it It's been a very
2: busy week, or two, or three. (laughs) Then why is the shade getting thrown at me? Get your priorities together. I'm not throwing you shade at you. I'm throwing shade at Rob, who's throwing it at us. Family's got to stick together, (laughs) Patrick. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. You'll have a family let's to, chat. Let's go to friendly family we'll get meeting. Some ice cream family meeting.
4: <laughs> Did you have family meetings growing up? No, Did anybody actually well. have those? Or are they in sitcoms
2: only? One time, okay. and that was that I forged a signature on <laughs> like. So the way it worked in high school was that you would, if you were doing bad in a, in a class, yeah. you would get like a thing that was like, "Yo." Parents Your gotta parent sign this. The parent it. has to know that you're doing poorly. And I was like, I'll bring the grade up. I'm not gonna <laughs> let them see this and worry about it. Cause I was like, a very, up until that point in my life, I'd done very well in school. Yeah. And then I got to like high school level math and was just like not cut out for it. It happened to me too because it took studying. And like everything else I did in life, I didn't need to study. I was like, oh yeah, I read the thing. I got it. Don't worry about it. Like, I read it real quick on the way in. Yeah. And so I got this thing that was just to get signed by a parent, and I just I just did a very, very good <laughs> fake signature from my mom. Um, and, and I raised the grade up successfully. Yeah. And then they came in for the parent-teacher's thing in the second semester, and the teacher was like, you know, I don't know what you guys did, but after I sent the thing home, you know, <laughs> maybe you changed uh, what his hours were, or took away video games or something something and he just got Do so much video so video. much better and yeah my dad was like oh yeah we're gonna have a meeting uh, uh and that was like one of these great moments in my life because my parents were divorced and was like no we a, we're having a meeting the whole meeting. family is gonna be here
1: <laughs> we're gonna get over this hump <laughs> you gather you gathered the clans uh, yes, okay, yes. let me tell you how that story went for me uh so it happened in third grade because i had this uh I had an elementary school teacher in third grade who was very much like, even though it was third grade, was like, listen, you kids are going to learn how the real world works here. No one cares if you're tired. You have to do tons of homework all the time. (coughs) So, like, it was like third grade, and we're doing, like, five hours of homework a night. It's not
4: Jesus! Oh, my...
1: So I start to fall behind, and uh, eventually this leads to the note getting sent home, except she gives me the note. And I freak out, because, like until this moment i've been like the perfect the perfect student the perfect son all this stuff so i have this thing in my backpack that like it's like it's like a viper right i'm just i'm not taking that out like i'm not showing this to anybody man Uh, and (laughs) i can't remember if i forged the note or just never passed it along but the teacher calls home eventually and is like (sighs) what about this note i i sent home uh and all hell breaks loose Like, you know, my parents are like We thought you were honest, we raised you to be truthful You were eight um, all this. Yeah, no shit this, But this is, this is where this leads Listen to this fucked up thing this leads to So, eventually they see the note All hell breaks loose A few weeks later Somebody in my classroom And I'm pretty sure I know who this was Because like, it was the dumbest motherfucker in this class Who was class. it? What was their name? <laughs> the first name
3: Xander was it devil dog official devil dog
1: (laughs) so devil dog crystal aka devil dog I am like 85% (laughs) sure decided to sharpen all their crayons in the mechanical, the electric pencil sharpener, and gums it up. There's just a wad of, like, superheated crayon wax inside this thing. And it turns into mutiny on the bounty. And that's not, you know, but pain mutiny. Right. Like, this teacher is like, who did this? Oh. Nobody is going to, reso- re- uh, to recess until we discover who destroyed my electric pencil sharpener. <laughs> and then she's like, "Now I'm not going to say who I think did this. Oh shit! But I do know there's somebody in this classroom who has been dishonest.
2: <laughs> see, see something, say something.
1: Yeah, and she looks at me, and she's like, "Somebody in this classroom, oh shit, doesn't own up to their mistakes." Oh no! Now I'm not going to name names. <laughs> But maybe this person should think about being honest for a change. Oh, my God. And admitting what they did. And then we miss one (laughs) recess. Nobody breaks. Second recess.
2: Oh, shit. This was going like day to day?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So second time this happens, like kids start coming up to me. And it's like it's it's the fucking interrogation. Rob, oh, my God. Rob, Rob, Rob. Rob, Rob.
2: We know it's not you, but just take one for the team, man.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: We got to go to recess, bro. (laughs) Like, look, the Foursquare
1: tournament We're gonna break. Needs, needs to go. Like, look, you know what you did. You <laughs> oh, did it. Or, or the better was, like, look, you already know you're in the shit. Right. Like, just own up to it. Like, how much worse the thing's going to get? Okay? Like, just just confess and get us out of this. What's amazing is she
2: succeeded in teaching you how the real world works.
1: <laughs> she really yeah. did! Yeah, so it was it was fucked <laughs> up. But anyway, so, how far in did you have to go then,
2: testify in front of the Senate? Well, how far in was your Senate <laughs> testimony? <laughs> God. So, what
1: happens? Tell me the end. Uh, yeah. So, in the end, in the end, nobody breaks. Nobody ever confesses. True. And eventually, the teachers never went to recess this. again. <laughs> yeah. We nobody. Not nobody so fourth
2: grade.
1: Right. Rob. never left the third grade. He's <laughs> but, still there. There he still is. Back there. Well,
2: Turn the camera around. I,
1: think I am. Uh, but yeah, no. It, it just it just came out where she was like, well, I guess this is why we can't have nice things. And now you have to use the mechanical pencil sharpener, not the nice electric one. So thank you very much, whoever you are. And then later, uh, somebody is like, oh, yeah, Crystal said she did it. Got it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, just, she wanted sharper crayons, uh, and she actually wanted to put the shavings in the glue to make it different colored.
4: That sounds all right. You know, Crystal was actually pretty creative, it sounds like. Yeah,
1: she ate, she ate a lot of that glue, Danielle. She ate a lot of that glue. <laughs> I got you.
2: Do you think I got that the crayon coloring changed the flavor at all? It had to. I think it it, it, the glue it had probably to. made it a little like
4: crayons don't taste like It's glue. like a ragu.
2: True. True. Yeah. True. It's like a ragu. Exactly. A
4: delicious purple ragu. Whatever her favorite color was. I don't know why I thought Crystal would love purple.
2: I think you're making assumptions. We uh, we got in trouble. Good read. It's we country. definitely
4: we definitely got in trouble like that once in in grade school. I went to Catholic school with terrifying nuns, Ooh. and we had a situation like that with the no recess. And every we actually had a moment of silence until somebody confessed. Like the teacher just sat there, Locked the door, staring at us until somebody confessed. Only it was during singing a semi religious song about Jesus and. This somebody
1: sound
4: semi-religious, very religious. But, you know, it wasn't about any of Jesus' like
2: more religious stories. You know, it was just about a time he like went out to dinner. It was, it was just, like he went on a date. Jesus once.
4: wanted a ragu. Okay? He wanted a ragu. He you went know? out to a nice
2: Italian place. Forget about it. It
4: was a delicious ragu. And somebody sang the lyrics deep in my heart. I feel the need to fart, and that was.
2: That you sounds know, like Catholic school. Yeah, that uh-huh. was
4: Catholic school. That,
1: sounds that also Catholic sounds school. like Danielle. Honestly, that yeah, that, that somebody, like someone <laughs> said that.
4: I don't know who did that. Some weird kid. I don't know.
2: It must have been that Rob Zachney. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who. Could it was Devil the Dog. It was Devil it was Dog official. Devil Dog. God damn. Uh, well, I am glad we're all getting all of our stories from our youth out today. You know, God, speaking though of special. religious singing, you know, there is one game with more religious singing than any other. Uh, it's called Halo. <laughs> This is a stretch. There's chanting. They do like the, oh, whatever, sound, I'm a choir Quirly. singing. Yeah, It's like Gregorian Chief. chant, but about It's like Halo. Gregorian, yeah, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. That is the song from Halo. It says that in parentheses. It says Gregorian chant, then in parentheses, the song from Halo. Um, we ran a really great feature this week. I just wanted to shout it out so people yeah. would know about it uh, who, who, are li- who only really listen to us on the podcast. We ran a... Like definitive uh, oral history of Halo. As far as anything can be definitive, obviously nothing can be truly final, but we ran a 35,000 word oral history about the Halo series written by Steve Hask, edited by Mike Diver, with original art by Eric Alahe, yeah. um, additional research by Jordan uh, Mallory, a lot of great design work by Aaron Shapiro. Just like, all these people came together to make this thing that's incredible. It has interviews with, with anybody who's kind of ever been a big name who's touched the Halo franchise, you know, ranging from Marty O'Donnell to, to to Ryan Payton when he came on in for four, like just all of these amazing people who are telling great stories about the kind of move from Bungie as the developer of games like Marathon and Myth to the developer people fell in love with around Halo. Um, And it just filled with great anecdotes. There's a good Steve Jobs story. Yeah.
4: There's There's, a good story about the name. There's a
2: good story about the name. Microsoft (laughs) hated the name Halo and, and thought it was too feminine and too like disconnected from what the they didn't understand any of the sci-fi shit they're like no people want to play a game with a space marine like that's what they're here (laughs) for they're not here for any of the bullshit sci-fi lore turned out (laughs) people were there for the bullshit sci-fi lore so go check that out really great story um that's on waypoint.vice.com if you scroll down all the way to features it'll be down there yeah. Uh, on the front page so shout outs to that uh what else have people been, what's been going on with everybody else this week for me it's been that story and like getting that ready and like t- trying to figure out how to track you know how it's being read and like talking to people about it so but, but that's what i've been doing what have, what's everybody else been doing this week so, no one's done anything
1: this is it This is I,
4: I can't talk about the game i've been playing everyone, right.
1: everyone misses the pass everyone's just like well i'm not <laughs> i'm not like, grabbing well, that
2: <laughs> You're doing the silent thing. You're doing the thing that you You're did in the kid. You're doing the thing
4: you did in third grade. Yeah. He's trying not to get blamed <laughs> for the crayons.
2: This is the, the problem. Is I know what Patrick's been doing, which has been playing Battlegrounds yeah. with me. Which means we're just yeah. going to talk about that, and I don't want to just talk, turn this into a Battlegrounds cast. All
1: right. Yeah. Listen, I mean, it, 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 it. Do you like robots, Austin? What? Uh, hmm, huh? Do you like? Do you like <clears throat> robots?
2: I, I How do you do feel do? about robots? I'm, a, I'm pro giant robot. I'm, you like? Him I'm going to move this batter? mic. I love a good giant robot. Yeah. Oh, no, I actually don't think... It is, I'm not, like, bigger the better. I'm not, like, a size queen about
1: my robots. <laughs> okay, so, like, like it can be, like, mobile suits, heavy gears, yeah, uh-huh. like, all that's good.
2: All that's yeah. good. Just, like, all just the way down to, like, an exosuit that's, like, just barely bigger than a person. All the way up to, like, oh, that, scry- that skyscraper is secretly a robot. Oh. All the way okay. up to a planet what is a robot. Like, what's the planet that's a robot from Transformers? That's, um...
1: Cybertron?
2: Cybertron is the is the home planet. So no. I know what you're talking oh, about. I don't know what it's going to kill me. So... Was not
4: Orson Welles like the voice yeah, of Orson it? Yeah, Orson
2: Welles was the voice of it in the movie. It's
1: pretty
2: cool. Anyway, all, right. that, all the way up to that size. If you told me that the galaxy was one big robot,
1: <laughs> you'd I'll be right. You, I got to go write,
2: you write a story something. <laughs> yeah, real you got quick. Something to, right, yeah. exactly. Are exactly. we robots in that scenario? We're little we're like nanomachines inside of the galaxy robot. You was know? This what near Automata oh, was actually yeah. about. Uh-huh. Is that. What it... Unicron. Thank you, chat. Unicron. Ah, yes. Metroplex is a city, not a planet. Anyway, continue, Rob. Talk about robots.
1: All right. So uh, I've been playing a very little bit of the new Battletech from Hairbrain Schemes uh, oh. being published by Par- uh, Paradox. Yeah,
2: that, and... that connection is already really interesting to me. Seeing uh, Hairbrain Schemes do a thing with Paradox was really surprising. Um, but I've loved what Harebrain's done with the Shadowrun R- uh, RPGs. If, if you guys haven't played those, you should think about at least checking out Dragonfall or Hong Kong. They're both really good.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, I played the first one, like the first yeah. one that came out, which was good. Yeah, it's solid. It's solid, like, it's solid. It, it, enjoyable. But I had heard that both expansions yeah. were like exponentially better. Um, but I, I I missed out on those, but have been very excited for the the prospect of them like doing something with Max, which like is. Like, is this game basically Shadowrun with Max? No, like, no, no, is it no, that no. Kind? no. All
1: right, let's 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 hop let's, in the wayback yeah. machine to American n- nerd culture in like the '80s and '90s. Uh huh. Um, so, like, like Jordan Weissman is running this company, uh, Fossa, and they have two major properties, really. And one is Shadowrun, which is like the at least for in, in the US, I think is like the original cyberpunk RPG, uh, like semi mystical. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, Cyberpunk. Uh, there might be another RPG, Cyberpunk itself. Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2020 um, may have hit at about the same time, uh, but Shadowrun was the one that most people played. It's the one that that had legs, you know.
1: And then their other property was basically a war game called BattleTech, and it's like totally a <coughs> in, sen- in terms of like sensibilities, it is absolutely like. A 70s American war game. Like, where, you know, where you see those, like, conventions of dudes, like, pushing panzer divisions and NATO symbols around maps and everything. Battletech is, like, absolutely, like, a spiritual successor to that. But it's also, like, what if that but anime mechs? Right. And, then, like, hmm. to the point where they actually got in trouble. Like, a lot of their mech designs originally were kind of copied from Robotech. Uh huh. Um, and,. Then so then there were a lot of mechs that couldn't be Wait, represented. Are
2: you sure it's that way? It's not the other way. That Robotech took
1: the. the no, nope. okay. this is one hundred percent like okay. because there were the, there was this entire like. Roster of mechs that in the community were called the unseen. Oh, you're totally right because yes. they could not be graphically represented. But the <laughs> problem was their stats were so like they were such like quintessential mechs to this universe that like of course you needed them in the game. You could just never depict them because right. otherwise you were basically infringing on someone else's uh, IP. So anyway, uh, BattleTech like spawned a but like everyone played mech warrior. Uh, yeah that's sort of the arcade sim shooter uh version of the battletech universe there was the mech warrior RPG. um there were there were um battletech like cafes where you would go
2: and get into like i love these so there was uh, the one that i used well, to the original go to one was in chicago so there was one in chicago there's one in vegas there was one in santa monica okay they were they were basically um uh like in character, they were incredible. So the ones that I went to, already. the place that I went yeah. to is called Virtual World, and you would go in, and it would be set up as if it were the, like... Like the 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 not the lobby, but like the lounge of like an aircraft carrier, the lounge uh-huh. like a research center, and the people who worked there would be in like lab coats yes. and bomber jackets, pretending to be like oh mech scientists, yes. and they were like bubbling vials, and then there was a little side room, it was like a card table where <laughs> you and your other mech pilots would like play cards between sorties, and then when it was time to go, you went into another room, you watched a, like a campaign training video thing or like a. Here's what you're going to go do. And then they took you into the other room where you sat in a big pod that was like, you know, uh, like flight simulator four, four, thing? like a big flight simulator oh, thing, okay. a four foot tall thing. Yeah. You sat down, you closed the hatch and then there were like a billion buttons around and you just did. You played Warrior. You played versus and, MechWarrior. And there,
3: was a, there was a video apparently posted yes. by Jim Belushi. <laughs> Correct. What? Absolutely. Yes. Sorry, what?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Jim Belushi was like the Battletech captain or whatever that introduced you before. (laughs) I'm looking, I've never heard of this before, so i am looking it up on Wikipedia. And yeah, Jim Belushi wants you to report for duty at the Battletech Center. Dude,
2: it's so good. The the Battletech Center, if I could like snap my fingers and have VR like turn into something, it would be new Battletech Centers. Mm -hmm. It would be that this sort of like ridiculous in-character, out-of-character like mashup Um, also it was too expensive but the point is what Rob you're getting at is like there were cartoons there were PC games that people would buy new graphics cards for there were toys
1: shit tons of novels Uh -uh. and now and then I read a ridiculous amount of yeah awesome and then just in third grade it sort of faded away yeah well you know it was sort of this death by a thousand cuts um, right, and it just it didn't ma- it didn't make the it didn't make the cut into whatever the next like phase of nerd culture was going to be like it just didn't quite take that leap. So around like the turn of the millennium, uh, it's all just getting a little bit less popular. Uh, fewer people are buying the games. You start seeing fewer like few like less and less new content coming out for that. Uh, the novels are starting to disappear, and they're starting to get like much much shorter, um, and. You know the games stayed pretty. The the, the PC games stayed pretty good until the end, right? Like MechWarrior Four Mercenaries, good game. Is, yeah, still one of the best. But it it all came it all went under Microsoft uh, by this point as well, because Microsoft had sort of acquired FASA, and to their way of thinking, I think a key part of that was also they acquired Jordan Weisman. Uh, in in some ways.
2: Well, then they went on to make, what? They did Crimson Crimson Skies with Microsoft, and then the Shadowrun FPS game, which is better than it... It's actually a decent FPS game, which is, like, a really shitty Shadowrun game for Uh, very lore, like, nerd reasons. Like, all right, here's the one biggest one. This is an old grudge. (laughs) I like that game a lot. I think that game is actually a really fun multiplayer shooter. Shadowrun is a game about sneaking into places, and, like, as, like, an RPG, like, you're a bunch of, like... Like hackers, hackers. and, yeah, and yeah. mercenaries who break into to do corporate espionage, right? You go from one – you're paid by one corporation to sneak into a different corporation, like steal you're their secrets. top scientists or yeah. steal their secrets or sabotage their whatever. So because of that, the way magic works is like very draining. It hurts you a lot to do magic in this world because it's otherwise you could do ridiculous things. And one rule that was like very core was you can never teleport because teleporting – would make it way easy to sneak into places. <laughs> yeah. And like the first ability they showed off for of the Shadowrun FPS was like, and you can teleport. No! And so that whole community was like, fuck you, no. This is some fake bullshit. Get the fuck out of here with that. And like, y'all, you're talking about elves teleporting. Please chill. Please chill a little bit. <laughs> and also by y'all, I mean me 10 years ago. <laughs> so, so anyway, th- so but Shadowrun doesn't do well and then like BattleTech just kind of, mercenary or uh, Warrior just kind of stops being made.
1: Yeah, it just kind of fades away and I, I think part of it as well is in all this time the core underlying tabletop game never really evolves beyond its sort of '70s war game uh, sensibilities. So, kind of a lot of what this is built on is sort of trapped in in Amber, and nobody would like. It wasn't very modern, right? Um, and so it just it, it all starts to fade. Jordan Weissman sort of tries to relaunch an updated game design uh, for BattleTech. I can't remember what what that offshoot was called I think it was like sort of an offs- offshoot of his Heroclix uh, you know series oh right but it, it doesn't really take because it's just not it's New Coke and that's not really what, what people want a couple years ago I did go back and play the original Battletech uh, board game and man it was, it was terrible it was just it was so <laughs> clunky like, it was a different time you, pardon the thing it was a different time like
2: all of our shitty board games and war games are bad not all of them lots of them oh, were wow. bad but we wanted big robots, and like that was enough for us to like look at damage charts for three hours. <laughs> you
4: paid the price. Yeah, we you paid know? the price because yeah. like,
2: oh look, I get to be a cool Mad Cat who walks around. That's the name of.
4: That's a the name of the thing. Yeah, yeah. one of
2: them.
1: That's the cool. Mad Cat. The Mad Cat is the is the mech on the cover of Mech yeah. Warrior too. By the way, yeah. just so like if you, if you if you're familiar with that cover. Anyway, uh-huh. point is, thank you. Um, so a oh, couple that's cool. years ago. Yeah. Why, like Shadowrun has taken off. Jordan Weissman is 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 running Buck Wild. Uh, he's reclaiming <laughs> all his old IPs, uh-huh. um, and Shadowrun is doing well. And then they launch a BattleTech uh, Kickstarter, and they're like, "We're going to adapt like classic turn-based BattleTech uh, tactical gaming to the PC." And I was really apprehensive about this because I was like, "Oh god!" But if it's like authentically BattleTech, if it is that, <laughs> it's going to be bad. Yeah, it's going to be bad. It's going to be really lame. Uh, and it just hit backer beta, but, uh, PR sent around some codes, uh, to some people in the press, and I played it a little bit at Paradox Con, and it is, it dodged both my major fears with this game, which, one, it would be, like, too old-fashioned and dated mm-hmm. and terrible, or it would be XCOM, but with Giant mechs, and it's right. really doing its own thing that feels, like, entirely authentic to Battletech, but it's not, like, it doesn't owe
0: The number one financial destination, YahooFinance.com. Too much to modern turn based sensibility.
2: So that's the thing that I was I was expecting. Was like, okay, Shadowrun is basically a. Uh, an RPG that when it's time for fights, it's XCOM, right? Um, it doesn't it always feel as tight as XCOM. The abilities are, are are interesting, but sometimes a little more like crunchy and, and clunky mm. than XCOMs are. But it's basically like a pretty good tactical combat game where you're placing troopers behind cover and shooting at different angles and stuff, right? And I was like, oh, well, like I like Mech a lot, so that's going to forgive anything, any apprehension, I'm sure. <laughs> but I, that's not what BattleTech is. Um, I actually brought this up with you, I think, Patrick, the other day which was when we were playing Battlegrounds, um, I was talking about how it reminded me a little bit of playing MechWarrior uh, Mercenaries and, and like some of the Mech Warrior mods and then the current free-to-play Mech Warrior game because in those games, it's really bad to die and, and, and also you kind of have a lot of health in some senses. Um, and so it, all, it always makes sense to like get into little skirmishes and then back away. And that is not how XCOM or Shadowrun work that's how, how old, but that is how old battletech yeah. worked. So it's a lot of like okay, I'm going to position myself, get some pot shots off and then retreat behind more cover. And Battlegrounds feels that way to me. Um, and so this demo, Rob, you played to that Paradox. What was the demo that you that you played of Battletech?
1: Pretty much the same thing that you have been playing with the with the It's just like a right skirm
2: up. it's just like a skirmish yeah, mode. Yeah, okay. Yeah, v 4. It feels that way and it's really but it's also really smooth and I love it because it feels like a different type of tactics game. Like, in my mind, there's been the XCOMs slash Shadowrun slash other things like that. There have been the Fire emblem Tactics mm. Ogre-y, Final Fantasy, you know, tactics e style JRPG tactics games, which are about positioning and, like, turn order and stuff like that. And then uh, there's, like, Frozen Synapse, which, like, is unlike most other things, because <laughs> uh, everybody goes at once, which yeah. is really, you just kind of plot things and they go. Whereas this just feels like... I don't know, Rob. Rob. You're the tactics guy here. What's What do you think are the defining characters of the game that, they've, that they're making?
1: Uh, I think it, a lot of it hinges on turn order, order mm-hmm. of play, and this is this is one of the defining things of Battletech. It's not, I move all my guys, take my turn, right. and then you move all your guys. It The way it works in this game is every single unit has sort of an initiative rating. And so I move one of mine, then you move your next uh, unit. And the weird thing is, the most, like, the best initiative to have or the, um, in some ways, the most powerful, like, option to have is the the last move, basically. Right. Like, so your, your heaviest mech might be taking the very last action of the But journey. that might
2: be fine because everybody else has, has already put themselves in what their final position is. And now you're going to turn the corner with this huge, giant thing and, like, you know, use all of your abilities at once to drop a billion, like, missiles and lasers on an enemy through a canyon
1: but it doesn't just turn into i mean look there are times it does turn into just a slugging match but to to your point a moment ago austin i think the reason this doesn't turn into a giant like mech scrum is because the other aspect of this is heat management you remember this from the mech warrior games yep. Have you ever played those heat management yeah. Yeah, if you just, you know, you just, it gets a little too steamy if you're just, like, blasting with everything you've got, like, every single turn. Yeah. So, like, and, and some mechs are more heat-efficient than others, and that's and the like, like, aspect of it. if
2: you're in the... So the way I... I so I played last night, I played the skirmish... And it was a four on four, and um, they—I had like a big mech that could sniping stuff, like really big, heavy single gun. I had two little ones that had jump jets, so they could hmm. jump around and kind of just um, kind of harry the the opposition and kind of like, ah, oh, I'm behind you, ha ha ha! You got to fucking deal with me now, asshole! <laughs> and then I had one that was like a missile boat. And the thing that kept happening was, like, it's late, I'm playing at 2 a.m., I'm just, shoot all the stupid missiles. And, like, again the <laughs> the I was like, no, you idiot, like, I'm overheating now, it's hot in my stupid cockpit, I'm, I'm sweating, the pilot, like, takes damage, which is another big differentiation between this and other traditional tactics games, is like, oh, there's a pilot and also the mech. The mech takes damage, and the pilot inside can get hurt if you get knocked around too much or whatever. That
4: makes sense. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah. And so at the end of the match, it was, like, one, there one big guy left, my, I lost one of my mechs, my other ones were like in, not in good shape, and so I was like alright, I'm just going to march this mech into the water, which will make her cool faster because the water is cooling and then I'm just going to launch literally everything I have in one big blow and it won, and it was like, ah, oh, yeah like that, that feeling is really good because it, it, otherwise it's like a lot of like, pecking away at people, because these are big armored machines these are tanks, and yeah. so there's lots of just like, yeah, I hit it but I didn't do any real damage. I just like, kind of hit off some of its armor or something. And so when you get a, when you do get a win here, it feels really great.
1: Well, and the, and the other cool thing is every mech has, like, a different weapon loadout, and every weapon has, like, its own sweet spots and optimal ranges. So, like, you're not just, like, trying to get in that... Okay, so it's not like XCOM right. where you're just trying to find the square where you're going to have the 85% chance <laughs> of landing the shot, and that's, that's the decision. What's yeah. driving this decision is kind of, like... Okay, what gives you that like with the with the weapons you're willing to fire in your current heat situation, what gives you the most damage uh, right. and the highest highest odds and that might mean that there's a lot of turns where one of your big weapons is just sitting idle because you're just not in the sweet spot or it's gonna be too costly to fire in terms of heat uh, so it does like have this sort of like there's a lot of, like, skirmishing and friction and, like, a lot of, like, just sort of whittling away at each other. But it does make those moments where you go all in and just, like, drop the hammer on somebody yeah. feel amazing. And that leads me to mech melee. Uh-huh. Which is not, like, a So big- is
4: there punching with mechs in this? This gets me excited. I know. Well,
2: you're a robot fan. You, like, or not. You're a punching fan. You're oh, a I'm a big fan, fan of punching. <laughs> like, I, I like kicking?
4: punching. I like kicking. Okay. I like punching. I like grappling. I like choking. Okay, this... It's got weird. Is there
2: punching robots that punch? No, it's fine. You're good. There's a lot of punching.
1: Uh, (laughs) I think there might be some kicking that's charging. Um, There's definitely kicking. There's a little choking, but it's okay. The robots like it. Okay. Um, See,
2: there you go. That's... The there's kicking, which I learned yesterday because I was like, oh, I'm just gonna jump around this big giant robot, fuck this guy, and it's like, no kick, and just, like, <laughs> swatted one of <in> my little bits <laughs> away, and that was, again, a really good moment, because playing this as a war game, or even as, like, a shooter for so long, you forget that these are big humanoid machines yeah. that are Terrifying and that have momentum and weight behind them. Um, I think the the shooters have been a, did, done a good job of momentum, but not necessarily like, oh, right, this thing could just like crush a house with its fist. And this game, I think, does do that a little bit better. Um, uh, how much mech melee did you get into at, at the demo that you played?
1: Oh, I got into some mech melee. It's it's a key part of the game <laughs> uh, because because like one, there's a lot of times where Okay, so I don't know, I, I haven't figured out if it works this way in in, in Battletech, the, the PC game we're all playing right now, but mm-hmm. in the original game, you picked up, like, the longer distance you had to charge, you also picked up, like, charging damage. So, oh, right, if you true. You could, like, send a light mech sprinting into somebody's face. <laughs> uh, suddenly, <laughs> it was actually more efficient than any weapon that mech was carrying. Like, you mm-hmm. would lay someone out that way. Um a lot of times, like, once you're in close range, it can just be a better option to uh, to, to smack somebody because then that uses your mech's own weight uh, to do damage. But I also had, and this is the moment, like, I really started fall in love with this game. So in this session I played at Paradox Con, I had this one mech that I've always hated, uh, the Commando. Uh-huh. And the Commando is it's just a terrible, shitty light mech. Um, it's, like, <laughs> it's like it's not fast enough to be like a real skirmisher uh it's not like carrying enough heavy weaponry to be like a, you know an assassin type mech it's just it's a crappy jack of all trades mech uh and so i basically just put it on ice for this entire battle uh with the with this other team and just sort of had it spotting targets and and hiding and I eventually, like, sort of slipped it. It just ended up sort of slipping around behind the lines, and the battle starting to turn against me pretty badly. Their heaviest mech was just, like, putting the hurt on all of my other mechs. So this commando comes out from behind the trees, walks up behind this enemy mech, and the rear ar- armor is always lighter, takes a melee attack, and the animation <laughs> was so good. This thing winds up, punches this other mech so hard in the back, it's fist, like, flies through its rear armor. Jesus. It oh. rips out its reactor shielding, basically, and the thing, like, goes nuclear on the spot. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, it, was, it, it was it was fantastic. That's a good um, punch. That's a good
2: punch. I uh, So the one thing that I'll say that I'm curious about how this game will feel, one is I'm curious what, like, the campaign structure will be. I think it's going to be more like Mercenaries where it's, like, you're taking contracts 100%. and building up a thing. The fights are long, and they are the core of the experience, as far as I understand. It's going to be, like, a lighter RPG. Like, you have pilots who get better and stuff like that. But, like, Shadowrun is a game where you explore a city, and you're going into, like, a building, and, oh, it's a secret lab where people are doing experiments. And so, like, you're always finding out information. This is a a tactics game, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And, like, the fight that I had last night took 30 minutes. And... That is not an insignificant amount of time for an audience that might be coming from the Shadowrun games who expect those fights to be 10 minutes long or 5 minutes long in comparison. Um, I'm not dissing that. I'm I'm into it, but again, I'm the guy who wants to do a 30-minute mech fight and
1: not – you know what I mean? I just don't think that audience is... Like, the Battletech and Shadow... Like, it's the same company, but I just don't yeah. think those are the same fan bases. Like, it's... This is from this is from mech people, Austin. Right. Like I, I
2: Well, I'm... The thing is, I'm... You You're forget... Both. I'm both. <laughs> you yeah, forget that that's... I ran an 80-hour podcast where I got to tell my own story that was like, what if cyberpunk and mechs? So... <laughs> yeah, that's true. that's
1: um you know. the the campaign I think does sound pretty cool. It is uh you know, you're running a mercenary company on the edge of civilized space, taking contracts, mm-hmm. like building up faction credibility with the uh with the major powers. The the cool thing is a lot of your characters are also going to be non mech warrior characters, so you're going to oh. have like you're gonna have like staff for your mercenary company. Oh that's like, cool. Who's working on the mechs? Who are your sensor officers? Who's your supply officer? That's like my favorite thing in video games. Yeah. It's one of the reasons like I like it when
2: I like it when there's space games where I have a crew on my ship that is like oh, that's Jim and he works on he's in the cafeteria and that's Mary and she flies my fighter pilots, yeah. but like that's just a button I hit. I don't it's not a fighter game. I, I like games that like Think about the logistics and like all of the weird people who make a thing work. So I'm excited about that for sure. We'll see. When is that out? Is there a date on that yet? Just later oh, gosh. this year. I'm sure
1: there is, but I've completely forgotten. That. Okay,
2: we're good at we're good at our job. <laughs> 2017 is what I'm typing. I'm typing in BattleTech 2017. Patrick, do you think you'll give this a shot?
3: Yeah, I mean, I just trust hairbrained, right? At this like, point, what what they did, you know, they did. I had no allegiance to the Shadowrun universe. Right. I you know, find Cyberpunk as interesting as everyone else, but uh, they just made a really good strategy game. So if they are interested in making a mech game, I
2: am interested in playing. Give them that a shot. Game. Yeah, I'm curious. We'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. I think is it's that supposed
3: to come out this year.
2: 20 mid to late 2017 is okay. what they've said. Oh, okay. This again, they just released the, the Kickstarter backer beta. I'm, I hope they get a lot of good feedback from people. I suspect they will. There's enough to like tinker with. Enough like skirmish maps and different mechs you can play with for people to get their like hands out on it and
4: get their punches in. Get it. their
2: punches in. Yeah. Get their punches in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Into. It. Yeah. Uh let's go to the question bucket. If you have a question, you can send it to gamingadvice.com. We will see it and either read it on a Monday because that's when we skim from the top or yeah. we'll toss it into the bucket and then we'll dig through the bucket and answer question. Insulting. In life, well it depends. It's, sometimes it's just you're insulting. You know, sometimes life insults you. <laughs>
4: sometimes you're
2: insulting. Sometimes it happens. I don't know. I'm not here to defend it. I'm just here to say this is the way the world works. I'm like <laughs> Rob's third grade teacher. I'm trying to teach you how the world works. Sometimes you write a good question and then it gets tossed in a bucket. It sucks. Wow. But maybe we'll pull it out of the bucket. Give me a number from one to whatever <laughs> number is here 52. It was like 100? Whoa, 52. Okay. Oh. You said that in a way that like disintegrated the sound. Rob. It did.
4: It was a very mech kind of sound. It was yeah. a very robotic sound.
2: All right. This comes in from Will in Chicago. This is long time first time. Fan, What's up, Will? Of, hey, Will. fan of Idol Weekend, the podcast that Danielle What owned. great taste! Austin often talks about how pretentious he used to be in his style of criticism, game choice, etc., uh, and that he still needs to check himself. Art school did this to me too. I was bullied a lot growing up, and when I hit college, I found that the thing that made me—I found the thing that made me feel powerful: gaming. Nope, that's not what he says. Painting. <laughs> it was <just> like. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very different. It's a much different story. I was like, "Wait, is this going to go bad?" And no, it didn't. It went painting. It went okay. good. Yes. Mario paint. Mario yes, paint. Mario painting. Uh, I kept longer studio hours than my peers, and was genuinely very good at what I did. I was constantly praised by my professors, and over the years, it went to my head. When it came time for critiques, I became vicious during one. So to be clear, critiques in art school are when, like, a whole group gets together and you go, okay, you present your project and the whole class has to critique you. Everybody has to say something. And in my experience, you have to be quiet and just listen to that feedback and it's brutal. Yep. Um, uh, I was – uh, during when it came time for, for critiques, I became vicious. During one, I embarrassed a peer in such a profound way that he stopped coming to class. Oh, he stopped God. painting and still does not paint to this day six days later. Okay, six, or years six years later. later not six <laughs> days. It was six, six days, days. later. Like, you know, give me a little more time, Will. Six years later. You poor I guy. Really yeah. uh, in my insecurity and need to feel strong, I took from him what made him happy. I realized I had transformed art from being a positive force <laughs> into being a weapon. When I internalized what I had done, I couldn't paint anymore. I just wrote short stories and I barely graduated. It took a long time for me to forgive myself and five years to start painting again. Many years removed from that smoldering moment, I still think about, think about it when I write about games. I always need to remind myself that there is a fundamental distinction between criticism and critical thinking. People make games. As much as I like to think that every iteration of Assassin's Creed is a rapidly decaying intellectual graveyard, so many, so many spouses eat dinner alone. Yep. Uh, so many spouses eat dinner alone night after night, so their partner can do what they love, make games to bring us happiness. So, what events in your life have shaped how you critique or think about criticism? Uh, briefly, Rob, your audio is weird. You should sh- you should maybe turn off your mic and turn it back on. We're getting like a lot of static from you. So, what what events in your life have shaped your your style of criticism or how you how, how you critique?
4: Mm. So I used to. Uh It used to be my job. I was sort of a primary film critic at a queer website once upon a time, and there were a lot of really horrible, like genuinely, like people who had no money whatsoever and probably not a lot of like film school education and that kind of thing. And that shaped a whole lot of both how I made – I went to film school, so like how I made my little short films Mm -hmm. and wrote them and also how I wrote about them in that I do think that there is – an important distinction between things that have a really big budget Mm -hmm. and things that have no budget whatsoever and it's not saying to grade on a curve it's not saying i don't like grading things in general in this in this way but it does mean you take nothing exists in a vacuum and you take what was made and the intentions behind it that means something like it means something to me, as somebody who's taking this in, and it means something to me as somebody who like wants to understand the creative and write process about it behind to it to a wider audience, exactly. And bring it up. Yeah. Exactly.
2: How about you, Patrick?
3: I mean, I, I think back to that conversation we already had on Wavepoint Radio when we were talking about uh, We Are Chicago, right? Right? Like, right. Where where you're like weighing your desire for something to be interesting against you know your role as a critic to sort of speak truth to whatever your experience with that thing. Is and I, I, you know, when uh, earlier this week when I wrote about Perception, like a game where you play, you know, a blind woman has an interesting mechanic. It's a horror game. Um, and when I sat down to write about, it, I was like, well, this is no fun. Like, yeah. I'm gonna sit here and uh, I'm not gonna dunk on this game, but like, I don't have a lot of great things to say about it. And those, like, I, I will say, uh, like, those as a critic, those aren't necessarily as interesting to write either, right? <laughs> like, it's much more interesting to, and more enjoyable to write about, like. Flaws in like something you enjoy because like you can there's more to extrapolate there as opposed to just like this thing just didn't do a lot for me and now I had to find a way to uh, express that right. uh, like I, I, writing negative things both usually does like poorer traffic yeah. and then also isn't as fun to, isn't as enjoyable to write about because who wants to read about that and who wants to write about that um, but it's important sometimes, like if that is, is necessary or something like horror games mean a lot to me. So it's like, I, you know, I still wanted to talk about perception, uh, and where I came from, uh, and what I experienced with that. Even yeah. And if at the end of it, it's like, and you probably shouldn't play it. Um, but I did. Um, <laughs> here you go.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a weird thing. I, I relate a lot to Will's story and that like, when I think about my time in undergrad, um, I always, and I think it comes from a similar place as Will, which is like um, I had a, a childhood and an adolescence in which I was n- I was not super confident about myself, in which the one thing that I could cling to was that my grades were okay, and that even if my grades were bad, because I had to cheat or not cheat, but had to sign my had to sign name and, yeah. or my mother's name on, <laughs> on the the report card thing, um, I still always. Presented as being very smart. Uh, And when I got to college, like I really excelled in the field that I really excelled at, right? I did very well in my philosophy courses and took it as a badge of honor that people thought I was the smartest person in the room. And I think at that point, maybe that's okay. But that second step was like, I'm going to make sure everyone here thinks I'm the smartest person in the room, even if I'm not, because I'm good at talking. Because I can I can talk my way into seeming smart even if I have not done the, the legwork, even if I have not spent the time, you know, uh reading through whatever the assigned reading is. You know, like and that was deeply unhealthy. Um and took a long time to get over. And for me, there are definitely a few key moments in my life that were like – because this is kind of Will's question. was like what shaped your way to, way to critique? And for me, it was it's almost always when I realized that I couldn't cut that part of me off. I couldn't turn that part of me off in personal life instead of just mm-hmm. as a critic, right? Like as a critic, even today, I have no problem going in and really like tearing something apart even if I know it comes from a small creator, even yeah. if I know that it comes from someone who wants to do something well. Um But I'm able to temper it because of instances in my personal life where I found myself in critic mode instead of in, like, son mode. Right. I think the biggest one – and this is going to be, like, Austin at his most shitty right now. Um, My father and I – so my dad used to own a bunch of – not a bunch. I owned a few retail clothing stores. Um, At this point, I think we were down to, like, one or two. And we got into an argument about politics or about business practices or something and – I was trying to state my position on something. It was probably something about like psychology or about about like how you should deal with customers. Um, and this is somebody who's like worked in business his whole life. He's worked in retail forever. He's speaking from a place of, of expertise from experience. And I'm speaking from a place of expertise from having taken these courses and like read books and being that person, right? And and at that point in my life, I valued that way more. Um, and he's like says, you know, oh, the way people work is X, and I go like, no, the way people work is Y. And and he goes like, well, why do you think that? And I was, like. I, I, you should read some books, Dad. And he goes, like, well, he goes, I read books. And I, like, looked at him square in the eyes. He's, like, six 6'7". Yeah. I was, like, read more. And oh, I, like, walked God. out. And, like, I walked out and, like, immediately was, like, oh, fuck. Like, oh. I just, like, punched him. Like, I just, like, did this terrible, like, n- disrespectful, like, cruel. Like, I, I found the most cruel I could be, which was, like... You were taller than me. You are stronger than me. You grew up as, like, a jock who, like, really also had an appreciation for the arts and, like, wanted to learn. But you were, like, a, a basketball player. How do I – I found your little one insecurity, which is that, like – I'm smarter than you. And, like, I, again, I'm not. I didn't have the experience he did. But I found the thing that I knew would wound him. Yeah. And that was the moment that I was like, ooh, ah, hmm, I need to dial it back just a little bit. <laughs> um, and then I took that into my, my critical life also uh-huh. where I still have that. I can still do that insult. I can still, like, t- twist that knife. But I only do it when I really mean it and not instinctually, not because I want to come across as smart. Um, and that yeah. improved my life dramatically. Uh, so that is that was definitely – my my moment i think if there is one. Oh, yeah if you have questions again you can send them to gaming at vice.com we will read them yeah oh, at least eventually <laughs> eventually at some point you guys did a big bucket blast episode i hate saying that phrase we
4: did a bucket blast
2: and uh you, you should we, we should do another one of those it was soon.
4: fun we had tim on
2: Maybe we'll do one of those right after E3 as, like, a good low-key. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, we're coming back from E3. We're just going to read some questions. You just kind of them. dump
4: the bucket on your head exactly. after a race. Like, you run a race and you <laughs> dump the bucket exactly. on your head and you're like,
2: Oh yeah. Uh, you can find everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. Also at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice. Danielle, where can people find you on the internet?
4: At Danielle RI on Twitter.
2: Patrick. You can find me at Patrick Puppet. I was going to say it for Rob. Uh, you can find Rob at Rob Zachney on Twitter. You can find me at Austin underscore Walker. Oh, we made it through the week.
4: Yeah, we just did. There's a little
2: bit of time left. <laughs> what What should people do over the weekend, Danielle?
4: I think they should uh, they should go for a run.
2: Oh, okay. If well, they like running. They
4: should it. do some painting. That's, if they like painting. They sh- hey, maybe you just a little artistic. If someone
2: insulted you in paint class and art class six years hey, ago. don't let it stop you. Pick that paintbrush back up. If yeah. someone told you to read more, give them a hug and forgive them for being an asshole. But then also, like, hey, try to find some time to read more. Like ask, not,
4: ask them for recommendations. Ask them, hey, be what like, are you reading? What are you reading? Exactly. I'd like to read I'd like to read this book.
2: Uh, but what else do we tell them, Danielle? We
4: tell them, be good or be good at it. There
2: it is. Peace.